Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and I'm so excited to have two guests on today, entrepreneurs, founder of Aro, which is a product that our family is using and loving. It's helping us deal with screen time in our family and just so successfully. Keith Wilson and Joey Odom, welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, so we have the RO app on our phones and we have the RO box that we use to put our phones in. And it is amazing how exciting it is to put your phone in. It is almost like that relief. You get this breath, you just exhale and your phone, you know, your phone is put away. And so just tell us for people who don't know an overview of what RO is and then we can get into how you ended up there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, you know, RO, RO is a solution for the family. Just to begin, RO is a solution for the family that makes it easy to put down your phone so that you can engage in real life, which sounds basic and it sounds easy, but we all know how difficult it is. Screen time has overtaken drug, sex, and alcohol is the biggest battleground in families today. And we all need a little bit of help. We all struggle with it, not just for our kids. Are you certainly with our kids, you know, as moms and dads, our kids, we see them coming up and we want them to, to learn good habits, but it begins with us. I mean, this was, this came and we can get into the backstory, but this came as, as a result of my shortcomings as a father and, you know, seeing missing important moments. Heath tells the same stories about him and his kids of just missing moments. And we, we just had this realization that we want things to be different. And the cool thing, Jenny, is what we've learned is it can look different. That's mm-hmm. that's that's maybe the best message of RO is that we're not resigned to what our current reality is, that things can look a little bit different. We can have the intimacy in our relationships that we want. We can have the closeness. We can have eye-to-eye contact, believe it or not. So RO is that solution for the entire family that makes it easy to put down your phone. Hmm. One of the things that I saw on your website, on your blog, which your blog is fantastic. People can find goro.com where you can find more information about RO, but also just all these fantastic blog posts. The one that really stuck out to me was where it talked about how 11%, it was something like 11% of the times that we go to our phone is because of notifications. But then the other 89% is just our own doing. So you sort of think, oh, well, if I turn off, I think this is one of the pieces of advice that people give that oh, it's not that hard, just turn off your notifications. But notifications is really not the driver for us going to our phone, it's really us. And I thought that was really eye-opening. Like you said, it is a problem that everyone is struggling with and this is a solution because it's fun and becomes a part of your family culture that it works. So yeah, I think people would love to hear the backstory. Why you? And how did you end up landing on this as a method, a really workable tool, a good solution to dealing with screens in the family? Yeah, let me. So, my first career was an entrepreneur. I had a different type of business, a fintech business. But as part of that, you know, I grew up with all the new versions of technology. And very quickly, I became captivated with being busy, <laughs> frankly. So, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't social media for me, it was email, it was, uh, you know, just connectivity to the office. And I started to realize, so I had four kids along the way with this business, and I started to realize or feel this tension that, gosh, I'm just way too connected to this device. And my wife was uh, happily reminding me along the way as well that you're way too connected to this device. And I just kind of woke up one day and there were a couple stories. One of my son was in fifth grade. He went to school and he told his teacher that he wanted to give his dad the gift of family time for Christmas. That kind of punched me in the gut. You know, my wife would often just tell me, hey, Heath, you're here in the room. 
but you're not actually here with us. And it was because of this device. So I kind of looked down, you know, through a lens of my kids at the time they were elementary and middle school. And I thought, gosh, we are a couple of years away, most likely of giving them infinity in their pocket. I've been a terrible role model. If they do it like I've done it, this is not the trajectory I want them on. So that tension was building and I started looking for solutions. I'd gone through a couple of life experiences with mentoring groups. I started to realize this was a problem that everyone was facing, particularly parents. And I just didn't see anything that that I thought worked. And around the same time, I started reading a bunch of books on habit formation and it just clicked with me. I thought, you know, we just don't have a system. These phones are only 15 years old, by the way. We just, we've developed bad habits. It's not an addiction. They're bad habits. And if we could just create a platform and a system to create sustainable good habits, then we could make a marked change on the relationships we have to, with those devices. So honestly, like the backstory is this started with the shoebox and it, it moved all the way to where it is today. And we did a lot of testing along the way to figure out kind of what resonates and what works. And the shoebox doesn't work because it's not, I was read about it. It's not what you would really have in your kitchen. Like if this is a good, that's where our, our, our box is beautiful. It's got this wooden top, it's white, it's really pretty, and it fits with the aesthetic of most kitchens. It's just there, and but a shoebox does not, right? So that's part of the thing is that it's this beautiful thing, it's got a lid, you can't see your phone, because that's one of the things that you talk about that you really have to not be able to see it, even if you're at a distance a couple feet away, it's not right in your hand, it's not in your lap, that not seeing it is something that's really helpful. Is that right? Well, it, absolutely. And that, that's, and by the way, sign, this was our, fortunately, this was the original premise when he took this, this shoebox, strung some cords through it and realized it did help for a little bit of time, but you need this companion to, um, you need a reward system basically. Cause if you think about the habit loop, which is what this is all based around, the end of that is a reward. And the reward in this case, when you have an app that goes along with it is tracking the amount of time you're away from your phone, because all the apps out there will you how much time you're on your phone and this automatically tracks for you how much time you're off your phone and you're able with one tap to tell say what you were doing so it feels Jenny, it feels really good to me when i look at my weekend report from aura when i say i spent 14 hours of whatever it is time with the family and i spent six hours of family dinners this week so you're quantifying that time and then you look back on that and you say that feels really good and then what do you do when you feel good about something you want to do it again mm -hmm. and so you're taking all these little dopamine hits that we get along the way with our phones of all the intermittent rewards and we're replacing that with okay your pride in what you're doing for yourself so it's the companion between the two things the physical place for your phone and the reward system and the nudges from the app that tells you hey it's time to spend a little bit of time away from your phone or if if my wife starts an RO session, I get a notification that she does. And so it's this quiet invitation for me to join her. But back to your point on it needing to be out of sight, studies are showing us now, they're confirming what our thesis was, which was it has to be out of your visual field of sight. It has to be away from your body because, and I'll go back to what you, I'll go back to what you mentioned on the, on the notifications. Not only is only 11% of our phone use from incoming distractions, let's call those the notifications studies, and this is fascinating, they're actually showing that it's counterproductive towards your screen time for you to silence your notifications. In other words, you're going to increase your time on your phone by silencing your notifications. But why is that? Well, it's because you're constantly checking. Did I get something? Did I get something? Did I get something? Uh, wow. So you're, you're anticipating something. So the mere presence of your phone, just your phone being out there equals interaction with your phone because you're anticipating things from it. But when it's gone from you, and this is what Heath said, it's not an addiction, it's a habit. This is totally true. It's environment. When you get it away from you, you actually do forget about it. 
Now, mm-hmm. parents, I guarantee you, there are hundreds of people right now who have just said in their minds, no, not my kid, not my kid. We're not giving our kids enough credit. Our kids, I promise you, we're not giving them enough credit. Our kids will do just fine if their phone's away for a little bit of time. And mm-hmm. it's just, they honestly, we're one good system. We're one good habit away. And if people, back to your point, if people want to use a shoebox, if that works for you, we highly encourage that. What we found is it doesn't work for us. And it's the same reason why why I pay my monthly membership to a gym, right? I can go outside and run and burn calories. I can do push-ups and and burn calories, but I need accountability. I need a system. I need community. I need people telling me my workouts. All of those things go such a longer way to removing the friction of doing the things that I want to do with my life. So that's all this does for you. And it's incredibly effective. We say it all the time. And I'll say right here. If you lean into the system as it's designed, it will absolutely change your life. And I know that because I was the chief of sinners. I was the worst. And I can tell you, it's made an enormous difference on how I interact with the people around me, what my relationships are like, and just how I live. Yeah. I think there's some crossover between what you do and what we do, which is this is just 1000 hours outside is just how we live and your product is how you live and it's what works for you. And I think you find something that really is it's simple. It's not necessarily easy, but the concept of it is simple. Put your phone in the box and pay attention to how you're using your time and be intentional. It seems small, but it's very life-changing. And I love when you talk about the teens and even younger, because there is a reward. You put your phone in, in the box and it's a good time. You feel good about it. And so there's that reward. I know that was one of the things that was on your website. You say, when it's rewarded, it's repeated. And I think that sometimes for some of our kids, they may not have these experiences. Let's say they get a phone when they're eight or nine or 10, which this seems to be about the age it's getting younger and younger, they can hardly probably remember a time when a phone is put away and it's not a part of their day to day. So for them to have an experience of reward when it's in a box, when it's put away is such a powerful thing, I think, probably more powerful than we even realize. Yeah. And when you normalize good behavior, this is where it begins from a very young age. If we're normalizing good phone behavior for our kids from a very, very young age, it will not be abnormal for them to put their phone away. So if we know, if we we're just all we're talking about is developing a good relationship with our phones. So a lot of our members, this was new to us and we love this. One of our members in Colorado told us about this first. She said that she would hand her phone to her four-year-old and have her four-year-old go put it in the box for her in the R box. She's honey, will you put this away? So it does two things that is teaching a muscle memory to your child that here's what you do with your phone. When you're not using it, you put it away. But even more than that, even more importantly, that it's telling her four-year-old, Hey, you're more important to me than my phone right now. And this is what you do, Jenny. Whenever you put your phone away, you're telling the people around you, you're bestowing value on them by saying effectively to them, there are 8 billion people theoretically who could reach me on this phone. And you're important. You're more important than every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're bestowing value on people around us and our kids. If they see that from a very young age, it won't be weird to them when they get a phone, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, however old, whenever they put their phone down, it's not mm-hmm. abnormal to them to put their phones down. And that's an amazing wow. tool you're teaching them. It, it does begin with us as parents. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. And it's cool because you can have a competition within your family. It is really a fun thing. But more than that, I think, is that you feel it. You feel it immediately. It does just feel like this. To me, it feels like this wave of relief. Like it's put away. I don't have to deal with it. It's put away for a certain amount of time. I'm going to feel good about that. I'm going to be excited when my minutes rack up and my hours rack up. 
So tell me who's using it and when are they using it mainly? So talk about dinner, yeah. Sundays. Yeah, it's really probably cool to hear the stories, I would imagine. I'm sure there's more than you can even keep track of. Yeah, the stories are amazing. And, and I mean, just a real quick one. We have a user on the West Coast whose daughter, he watched a movie with his daughter and his daughter told him, she said, that's, that's the first time you've ever watched a movie without your phone. Right. Something so simple, but she noticed. And that's the thing. People, you know, kids do notice, certainly husband, spouses notice. The times that people are using it, we see a big surge in the morning. So get, oh. the, get the kids ready for school, or maybe it's a personal time or journaling time. So surge in the morning, we certainly see a surge in that. We call it the six to nine ranges. So six to nine in the morning and six to nine at night. Wow. Typically it's that family dinner time. And, you know, to your point a few minutes ago, kids do crave connection. They really do. My, my daughter's written a blog on this topic. And actually, my son, who's almost 15, this isn't an eight-year-old, right? We we're talking the other day about uh, someone who's struggling in their class. And he made this comment that was so interesting to me. He said, Dad, we're at dinner. He said, Dad, I bet this person, I bet they don't even do highs and lows at dinner. Something so simple, like a conversation we have, you know, what was going well during your day and what was not so well. But it was less about the highs and lows. It was more about the fact that we were actually connected at dinner time. Obviously, we don't bring our phones to the table at dinner, but I don't know that that's the norm. So again, those connection times are very important. We do see a surge in the weekends uh, where people oh, want awesome. extended hours, right? There's the, the six to nines, but there's also the, hey, I want several hours off. Because to your point, when you put your phone away, it's it's almost permission it's permission to go outside, you know, in, in your world. It's permission to to set the world aside and say, you know what, this is some me time and this is some family time. It's permission just to do the things that are important to you instead of being reactive to what's coming in on the other side of the screen. Wow. It's really powerful. One of the things that I had read on your site, and I had seen a statistic years and years ago, but I don't remember where I saw it. It said 75% of the time you spend with your kids happens by the time they're 12, 75%. And then you had a statistic on your site that talked about 90% of the time is by the time they graduate. You know, we all have spent the bulk of the time that we'll ever spend with our kids happens by the time that they graduate from high school. And you had this thing about 40 more days, 40 more days with our kids. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's it. 40 more days. So I'm not, or Joey wrote that one, I think. That was an article yeah. by Joey on the site. So I, that really stuck out to me, 40 more days. So you talk about having focused time with our kids. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, Jenny, this this one, I'm a crier, by the way. I'm, I'm going to try to get through this one because it hits me every time I think about it and talk about it. So my son is almost... My son's almost 15 years old. And, um, you know, you think about the times you have, I mean, this is the same boy that I, you know, held moments after he was born. I mean, this, this is my, I mean, I it's still, still when I'm sleeping, I go and I just kiss all over his cheeks. You know, this is, yeah. this is, I love this boy. And if someone came to me today and said, Hey, you have 40 more days with your son. I would just be crushed and I would start pleading. I'd be like, give me any more time. What can I do to get, what can I do to get another hour? What can I get to do another to, to get another day what can i do and if they said to me well i do have something you can do but it's going to require some real sacrifice on your part i'd say i don't care tell me whatever it is they said you can get four more days with your son but all you have to do is not check the espn app on the weekends or after 5 30 p.m on the weekdays first i would laugh and i'd say that's laughable of course i'll do that that's easy and then and then i'd say what else can i do so you can you can actually double that time you can double that time but this is going to require real sacrifice. You can't check texts or emails on the weekend or after 5.30 p.m. on the weekdays. I would say absolutely. And so the math works out here, Jenny, because that means I get, let's say I get about 40 minutes a day with my son now. I get 40 minutes a day with them between all, you know, everything activities and everything going on, on average, 40 minutes a day. I got about four more years left than before 90% of our time is done. 90% of the time we're 18. 
So I really have 40 more days. This is not a dramatization. This is not like, this is not some theoretical thing. I've, I've been given that message by the stats that tell us, and I have an opportunity now. And so I get down about it. There's, it's, it could be doom and gloom, but I, it's an opportunity for me as a parent. Of course, I'm going to double that time. Of course, I'm going to do whatever I can. But the problem is as a society and me as a dad, I'm just looking at a mirror here that we're not taking this seriously enough. Hmm. We're absolutely not taking seriously enough. We are scrolling our lives away. We don't realize how little time we have with the people we love, yet we're scrolling it away. And it's such an easy thing when you look at it in like an immediate term, like 40 days. But if we if we get this context of how short our life is, we realize it is an immediate need right now. And we have the opportunity every single day. So this one hits me again and again and again, and it's far too important. And it's not a dramatization. And we as parents have to take it more seriously. I'm just yeah. telling you, it's it's the most important thing. I think it's the most it's the most important thing we could do. But again, it's a hopeful opportunity. This is great news. Whatever you know, yeah. this sounds crappy. What I just said, but what I just said is the best news you could hear as a parent today is you have the control to spend more time with your kids than you might think you're budgeted. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question: What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. Yeah, it's great news. And it's easier than you might think. Yes. And I think that is part of the great news too. And you said on your website, we have to stop rationalizing. We have to stop pretending we have unlimited time. We have to stop wasting our lives. It's a big statement, but someone's got to say it. And I think for me, some yeah. of the best books I've ever read 
are the people that are going to come out and say it. They're going to say the things that other people don't say because we need that. We need someone to give us that extra push to say the things that are true that no one else is saying. And, And someone had written, I don't know if it was one of your kids or if it was someone who had written in a story, but where the young child is saying, dad, why isn't your phone in the box? You know, that, that they really are noticing our habits. And so the benefits are very multifaceted. When you talk about it's modeling, it's a tool, it's giving you your life back, all of these different things. I really like how you have incorporated information about habits. And you talked about this earlier. You say not an addiction, it's bad habits. And so you have a lot of fantastic information like from James Clear and from, there was another author, I haven't read his book yet, but I was really intrigued. It was like a three-part name. Do you know who I'm talking about? Early? Justin Whitmill Early. Yes, Justin Whitmill Early. So I was intrigued by his book, I want to read. But you talk about one of the parts of that is environment. So let's talk about that. The RO experience includes your environment. How are you setting up your environment? There's this sentence that environment is stronger than willpower. That's super interesting. So how is this environment setting us up for success? Well, we know that instinctively, right? So if you have an exercise bike, as an example, and you put it in the basement in the dungeon, you're less likely to ride it because you don't see it and you don't want to go to a depressing place, right? So even walking down the stairs creates friction for you to, in that case, exercise. As we thought about RO, look, we all have drawers, boxes, cabinets. There are places we can put our phone but we're not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So we knew that we had to create something that started the this what we call the habit loop, which was the visual cue, which is why to the earlier conversation, we made it beautiful. It's something that is an invitation and lives in a, in a high traffic area of your house, but that creates the environment to make it easy, right? We wanted to remove all the friction. So it's not just about seeing it. It was about, hey, we, when you choose to put your phone away, it also needs to be easy connecting to the app and tracking your time. So much like if I get up in the morning and I've laid out my clothes to go for a run, I'm more likely to do it. You know, having this frictionless experience make you, makes you more likely to, to interact with the device. So we all know that environment is stronger than willpower. I always say, if I've got my phone in my back pocket, I am going to use it because it's within arm's reach. And there's right. always a way that I can justify to look at something, even as simple as the weather. I mean, there are times when I look at the weather and 30 minutes later, I'm like, what did I just do? What happened to the 30 minutes, right? And it's nothing nefarious. It's just, a, you know, just I lose track of, you know, this beautiful, captivating device. So the entire platform is built around the science of habit formation because we had looked at other solutions, right? Other solutions had tried to build the solution inside of the problem, which is a simple app or a lockbox, or, or others have tried to go back in time with you know flip phones and dumb phones. Hmm. We are pro phone. We're pro technology. We believe it's going to take technology to solve a technology problem. So we're embracing that fact. And, and we talk a lot about the box. The box is tech packed, right? So it's not just a beautiful fabric wrap box. It is packed with technology to make it easy and rewarding to put your phone down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so environment is such a big thing. And then you talk about the chameleon effect. So one person chooses to put their phone in and, and it's really such a subtle change. Instead of saying, hey, put your phone down, it's saying, hey, I'm doing this. And it's sort of an invitation to join in. So tell us about that chameleon effect. One thing I've noticed, so let me walk you through scenarios. Let's say that I'm sitting on the couch with my wife. We're both watching TV. If I were to say to her, honey, go put your phone down, it's natural for us to become defensive, right? Well, I'm ordering groceries or I'm, you know, logistics for the kids or whatever. And I would be the same way. So 
Art creates this beautiful invitation where, hey, let's go do this together, right? It equalizes the entire family. So it's not a parental control app. It's not a spouse control app. It's a family solution. Even the conversations around how you choose to be phone-free have changed dramatically. Uh, but we built in that, I also, I also call it the yawn effect. We built in that yawn effect into the platform as well. So when I choose to go ROs, we say, Every one of my family group will get a note that says, hey, Heath has chosen to be intentional or Heath has chosen to start an RO session. I can't tell you how many times I see that note from one of my kids or my wife. And it's just such a sweet, subtle reminder that, hey, they're being intentional. If you don't need it right now, why don't you be intentional? So we're trying to work in that accountability, motivation in a very inviting and you know subtle way. So it's not in your face and it doesn't create defensiveness. Yeah. And it is so inviting. And I liked, you have statistics on your website and, you know, you were talking about the average RO user spends five hours away from their phone every day. They're gaining 15 days of time per year by putting your phone away for an hour a day. But there was a a statistic that says 0% of people use their phone when it's not in their hand. And I love that. And I actually, I read, I'm not sure if you've read Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, but he talks about how it's become this extension of our hand almost and that people can't even leave their phone in their car when they go into the gas station. It always has to be with them. And so this is an interesting thing. I think it's also helping with that breakage of like, you don't have to be connected with your phone all the time and you, you relearn what it's like when it's put away, which I think that many of us have forgotten and that young kids may not remember at all because they got a phone so young. So what a great thing that it promotes these positive feelings within the family and within your friend circle that everyone's putting away. It's your invitation to have yeah. these meaningful experiences too. And even on date nights, that was one of the things there was a blog post that said four important words for date night. So what do you do You know, when you're out with your spouse and you're trying to connect? What do you do with your phone? Well, this was an aha moment for me. This was several years ago. And my wife will cry when she tells this story. But I had been really busy with the business, my last business, and always connected, always, always connected. And one night we went out and I handed her my phone. And it almost shocked her. I said, will you put this away, please? It's time mm-hmm. for us to focus on each other. And it it literally brought her to tears because normally the phone would be face up on, you know, on the table, which I might as well not even be there if that's the case. Um, if I choose to put it face down, that's a little better, slightly, right? But as Joey said earlier, like I'm anticipating what's next. If I give it to her mm-hmm. as a as a symbol, as, as a signal to say, like you are more important than every other person that's on the other end of this, then it creates a level of intimacy that just wasn't there beforehand. So that's become a staple for us. We just don't pull out our phones on date night unless there's something you know strange with a you know a, a kid doing something. We're we're pretty committed to that. I'll give you another example because one of the things that you mentioned. And this RO does, it starts to create this digital muscle where you, you become less dependent on having you know your device on you. I went out to dinner. My wife sat down a couple of weeks ago. I went out to dinner by myself. I took a book with me. I sat down at a bar at a restaurant and I was reading a book. Let me tell you how odd I looked. They look like a weirdo, right? I look like a crazed <laughs> lunatic. They say the same thing on airplanes too. No one's got a book out anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I'm reading a book and what was fascinating to me was if as you look around the rest of the bar, most people are on their phones. Some were having conversations, but what was striking is because I was available, oddly, I'm reading a book, I shouldn't be available, right? But because I was available, people actually stopped and talked to me. Wow. The waiters, when they would walk by, the bartender, it, 
like having conversations with me, none of the other folks around the bar were available because they were looking down at their phones. So even oddly enough, the fact that I was actually probably even more engrossed in my book, I appeared to be available. So it opened conversation. I was available. So there's some really interesting side effects of not having your device on you because we all know that it's easy just to look down when you're bored or awkward and find a way to escape in the middle of that just kind of odd, odd scenario. One, one thing I'll add to that, Jenny, and I don't want this to be lost in, in all of this. We are not designed to be a solution for a digital fast. We're, people can use it that way. We're not designed, we're not like a Pollyanna approach to this where we, we see, we think people just need to put their phones away and have this magical time together. We're, we're not talking about that. We're actually talking, we know that when the kids are at school, elementary age kids are at school, moms are going to need their phone in case the nurse calls. We get that. We know that sometimes on a date, if your kids are on their own, that one of you should probably have your phones. That's just, that's just smart, right? You know, catastrophic calls do come in sometimes. It's less frequent than we might imagine, but we do need our phones sometimes. So what we're talking about are these moments. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, my son had a tennis match and I left my phone in the truck because I was with my wife and she had her phone in case our, in case our daughter called. When the four of us are together at family dinner, that's a great time to carve out 45 minutes of phone-free time. So what we're not talking about is this real heavy-handed, oppressive, you know, all weekend. Some people can use it that way. We're just talking about finding those moments where you want connection or, and I do this a lot of times, I'll have my phone with me. My daughter will say, hey, dad, can I talk to you about something? And every time I'll say yes, let me put this up first. Because what that has just done, that's just created an environment of intimacy because I'll tell you what's an intimacy killer. And we all know this is if she's opening up to me and I look at my phone, it's Mm. done. That moment is over. And that just does, that doesn't just kill that moment. What that does, that trains her to believe that she can't open up to me. So that's a future intimacy killer as well. And we all know when kids, you said this earlier, kids ask their parents, will you put your phone in the box? And, And I'll tell you why the young kids ask that. And it's because and I want to say this very specifically, it's because they are naive enough to believe that they're more valuable than our phones. They're not yet trained to believe that their phone, that phones are more important than them. And when we need to be concerned as parents is when our kids stop asking us to put our phones down, because you know, at that point, you've trained them. You've trained that child that your phone is more important than them. That's a terrible day. And I hope none of us have that day. So we can continue to instill that value in them by putting it away and reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing that they're valuable. Jenny, we we are at a moment in history. CDC came out with a study. Teenage unhappiness is at an all-time high. Depression, loneliness, isolation, suicide. It's horrendous. And they trace this back. The study we read traces it back to the advent of smartphones, the ubiquity of smartphones. And not only is it teenage girls are on Instagram comparing themselves to other girls, to other airbrushed models that aren't even real. They're making those comparisons and that will kill your confidence. But, and this is a hot take here, so be careful. It's because it's a generation of kids who have grown up with parents who are looking at screens instead of their eyes. And we all know how important there's study after study after study that tells us how important from infancy eye contact is. And when you look somebody in the eye, you tell them that they're valuable right? So they know their value when you look them in the eyes. And we just, I'm telling you, we can't be more direct about it. I need this. I wish someone would would have shaken me 10 years ago and told me this, stop looking at that screen, start looking in their eyes. When they're trying to open up, you start looking in their eyes. Wow. That's really powerful. I had read this study. I think it came out in 2000. It was before the iPhone. And it said, because of our screen culture, kids will experience 30% less eye contact over the course of their lifetime. 
than previous generations. And it was that statistic came out before tablets and before iPhones. And so you wonder what is a statistic today? And even I think that's really interesting about the book, about having the book. I've always wanted to know because I feel like I bring books with me most places, usually in my bag. And it's a lot easier to come in and out of life in conversation when you're reading a book, even though you talk about that you're very engrossed in it and it's interesting, than it is to step in and out of phone usage. And I don't know what the difference is there, but there certainly is a difference. It's a lot easier for me to interact with my child who says, look at me, I'm doing this and just look up for my book and to set that aside than it is from the phone. And I wish there were studies on that. I think that would be an Mm -hmm. interesting thing to study and learn more about that. It's an easier exit and re-entry into a book than it is into a phone. It's hard. It's hard to exit out of that digital world, I think, and not be irritated or consumed or distracted or any of these things. This conversation really goes to show how much is at stake here And also how much is involved here in terms of the layers of benefit for our lives and for the lives of our children. And yeah, definitely I've seen the statistics, the rise of suicide and depression and all the things. And that 2009 was a big turning point when the phones came out and a lot of school psychologists are saying the same things that they saw, they were there. They saw the change in anxiety and things like that. And even sleep. Now, this is a big one, right? A lot of people are talking about sleep and they're talking about it because we're not getting enough. And a lot of that traces back to our phone. So can you talk about how, who said, one of you said they haven't had the phone in the bedroom for X amount of years and they're super proud of that. Yeah, (laughs) that is me. I think someone else said I was super proud of that, but I am super proud of it as well. Yeah, no, even this year, I have not, I've not had the phone in my room, you know, every night this year. For me, I just found that if I were to get up in the middle of the night, I just kind of instinctively would grab the phone and all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm awake or I'm trying to catch up on things or I get stressed and it just wasn't worth it. In fact, there's a funny story. We had the power go out a few months ago. And of course, I didn't know where the flashlights were. So I grabbed my phone as a flashlight. And by the time everything got settled, I was sitting in my bed and I was watching a baseball game. And I thought, gosh, I'm really good at this. I have not had my phone for you know years, uh, and but it just hit me. It's like this is how easy it is to all of a sudden become captivated by this device. So I just keep it away. I put it, I put it downstairs every night. You know, in a situation where you know there's there's a reason for one of us to have a phone, then one of us will bring it upstairs. My wife typically, but it's just something that we've become accustomed to. And you know, you do have to create some workarounds, right? If you, I, I use a, a haptic alarm on my wrist to wake me up um, that I can set or, you know, go old school alarm clock. So there are some, some things you have to work around particularly. I mean, that's the number, number one excuse we hear. Well, well how am I going to weed up? Like that's my alarm clock. So um, it does require a little bit of intentionality, but gosh, not falling prey to the allure of the screen at two and 3 AM is such a great thing. The other thing I would say is the last thing you want to do right before you go to bed is check email one last time or look at a, you know, a screen one last time. Cause there's plenty of studies that tell us that, you know, that type of light before bed is, is not good or the stress of knowing you've got to fix something in the morning. Yeah. So mm. my phone's actually, frankly, the phone itself is quote unquote asleep at probably eight or 9 PM every night. So well wow. before I go to bed. Well, tell I mean, you talk about your kids, Heath, I mean, didn't you ask your, didn't you ask Reese? about how many kids sleep with their phones? I did. So it's normal in our family for our kids to, you know, they leave their phone in, in the RO at night. And I said, well, how many of your friends do that? And my, my daughter said, dad, none, none of them do. All of them have their phone in the room and they're all so tired, right? Because yeah. how, yeah, I mean, look, 
TikTok is is addictive, right? Like you could scroll videos. My, I could probably my wife could scroll videos of Boston Terriers for hours without <laughs> thinking about it, right? So you you put that in the hand of a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old, of course, you know, they can go 15 seconds at a time for hours. So man, mm. get it out of your sight, get it off your person, put it downstairs. You, wow. You'll thank yourself and your your kids will thank you. Isn't that an, an interesting thing too? I mean, you know, I'm sure that it's so complicated to figure out exactly what's going on, but I could imagine that lack of sleep. And I do think that kids are up till really late because you're not wanting to miss out. What if someone posts? What are they saying? You're responding to each other. You know, when we were kids, that wasn't an option. And we weren't allowed to call past nine, I think. I don't yeah. think we were allowed to call friends. It was a big rule in our house. You don't want to wake somebody up. And so this is different, right? That they can be interacting until all hours. And that could definitely be attributing to mental health problems. Absolutely. And just these different crises that are happening because everyone's just exhausted constantly and dealing with a lot of stressors, but they don't have what they need inside to help cope with all of the, I mean, teenage years are super stressful with the testing and the schooling and the relationships and the dating and all of the things that come with that, the peer pressure just in and of itself. And then if you don't have enough sleep in order to deal with those things, it just, I think, exacerbates. So yeah, yeah. so it's a great option for putting your phone away at night. And what an insight. I mean, kids know that their culture, that no one is doing that. And so that can be part of the chameleon effect too, I think, as they change things, they're going to change the world. I think we were, we recently visited a college campus where no one had their phone out and it's called Grand Canyon University. It was in Arizona. And I mean, it was incredible. It was like, you'd step back in time, 15 years, people just walking around, talking to each other. They're on these one wheels and skateboards. And it was bizarre, but incredibly, <laughs> but I mean, it was beautifully bizarre. It was one of the coolest things. And, you know, these days, I think this is what we point out to our kids. We point out when it's not happening, because it's so rare, that's one of the things we talked about quite a bit is you notice no one has their phone or, you know, you notice one family at a restaurant where they don't have their phones out and you talk about it. And so it is intriguing. And I think that hopefully our kids, they have experiences with RO, they have experiences with modeling that they're going to take that into their adult lives and to start to make a difference. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. 
Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I really, like I said earlier, love how you have incorporated the different habit formation principles. So can you tell us where you're getting your inspiration from, authors? I think people will be interested to know different books that have inspired you to create this product that actually works. Yeah, it does begin. I think one of the the most foundational books for us was Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's such a good book on the on habit formation. There's a reason why it took off to the degree it did. It's a really really great book for that. Heath is a voracious reader, a lot like you, Jenny. So he's you know the the Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath was another big one. Habits of the Household by Justin Whitmiller. He's yeah. great. When it comes to more of a kind of a Sabbath approach to technology, John Mark Comer wrote a great book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole series of books around hustle culture, hurry, just the need to take breaks and to to disconnect. Digital minimalism you mentioned as well. Yeah, there's so many people that that's what's interesting. Like if, if it feels like we may be at a turning point as a society where we have enough data and maybe more importantly, we feel enough tension around this. We see it, we feel it, we hear it, we're experiencing it, not only in our our relationship as a spouse, but also through our kids' eyes. You know, Joey and I say a lot, we think this could be, we are approaching the digital secondhand smoke moment in history, right? It wasn't until we realized that smoking hurt others that things started to change. And I do think we're starting to to throw off secondhand digital smoke every time we pick up these devices. And again, the data is, is starting to show that as well. And man, if it's one thing to hurt yourself, it's one thing to waste time on yourself. It's another thing to start wasting time and, and hurting those around you. So we kind of feel like we might be at that moment and whether it's sorrow or a bunch of other solutions, someone is going to solve this, right? Someone is going to create something that gets us better aligned with how we should be living as uh, a society and as humans and as a community. There's been so many books written on community lately and how people are craving it. Mm-hmm. And what we, what we know is that the promise of a digital community has not turned out like we had hoped, right? right? Bringing the world together more together, more connected has actually led to disconnection. So man, we're just excited to be a small part of the solution. And so, yeah. so thankful to hear the stories from early adopters and with, and just see the change with our family. Like Joey said earlier, we were both, we started this from a place of personal failure. I mean, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we look in the mirror and say, we were, we were the chief of sinners and we still struggle here and there for sure, but we've developed our own sustainable habits and you know we've been mm-hmm. working on RO for several years. So this is something that has become part of our lifestyle and part of our identity. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting what Joey said earlier about kids and their value. And 
you look at the mental health crisis and I think people say there's all sorts of factors, right? It's the dopamine hit. It's this anticipation from the phone that never fully gives you what you're hoping for. It's loneliness. It's comparison. But what an interesting thing to point back to, just this eye contact and does someone really care about me? It's really an interesting thing to think about. I've not heard anyone talk about it, I guess, in that light. And that's really intriguing. And I don't want to be, I, I don't want to reduce it. You got to be real wary of people who give simple solutions to very complex problems. I, I'm, I'm not at all suggesting um, that that solves everything, but we do know that makes a big difference. And I do think mm-hmm. that also carries through. I think we, you're giving such a gift to your child in many respects. So a, a kid who's been sleeping with their phone, for example, for years is going to be very mad when you take it away from them or tell them they can't have it. But what a gift you've just given them. You've Mm -hmm. given them scientifically one of the best ways for your body and your mind to recover, which is get more sleep. You give it, you've given them an incredible gift. I mean, it would almost be like, like if a doctor, you know, didn't give you, you know, if if a doctor stopped a surgery midway, just because it was uncomfortable or something like that, no, no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to give you a gift here. So I think you're giving them a major gift. And then what that carries through to, and I know for our kids, that does give them a different framework, a different lens through which they view life. And so when my, our kids start dating, I promise you, if they're dating somebody who's looking at their phone half of dinner, they're going to be like, this is not the right person for me because they value themselves enough and they're conditioned enough to people looking at them in the eye and paying attention to them. And so you think the success that you're setting them up for in the future, because both of our kids and a bunch of members will tell the same story. They start noticing it in another way, other people around them. And it's not judgmental. Oh, they're always on their phone. It's more, you know what? I may not want to hang out with such and such person anymore. Uh, I feel like they're always on their phone and they're around me. And what that does, again, that's an innate sense. What they're, in other words, what they're saying is I deserve their attention, not their phone. You know what I mean? And so it does, it increases their self-worth and it will carry through into all their relationships in life. Wow. Well, and really it's interesting because I remember being as a child, I remember having memories about what made me feel loved. So for example, you know, I had a, a really good friend growing up that was a really good listener. And she asked really good questions. And I remember feeling like that made me feel valued and important. And it was something that I wanted to emulate. And so then from the other perspective, I think what you're doing is you're inserting people into the world who can do that for others, who maybe wouldn't have an experience to know, well, what's it like when someone puts their phone down when we're together or puts it away completely? So that's a really powerful thing that you're doing too, is giving that opportunity for people to feel what that's like and to think maybe, well, I'll do that or I'll try that. Back to that chameleon effect. And you talk to teens. And I know there was a blog post on your website that the teens say, look, I'm not loving this. I'm not loving this. It's not really fulfilling me. It's not giving me what it promised to give. And the thought about the conversations, I know Sherry Turkle talks about that. It was something like seven minutes. They've measured it. That seven minutes is when a conversation goes deep, which it really is not that long. Seven minutes, I think. was it, Or maybe it's 14. I don't know. It's a short period of time when the conversation goes deep. is certainly less than a half hour. It's like seven minutes or 14 minutes. Anyway, but she says, if you look at your phone, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Joey, if you look at your phone, it won't ever go deep. You think, well, I'll just try again. Mm-hmm. But she says, no, because you have communicated <laughs> through that usage that this conversation is not important and you're not willing to go there with that person. So there's a there's a lot here. And I would imagine, I don't know, I could be wrong. Do you feel that you continue to uncover more? It's like you came out with this product that's sort of how I feel with 1,000 hours outside. It was like, okay, this is changing our life. But then as time goes on, 
I realized that there's more here than I originally thought. Power of sunlight, so much. Are you finding that? I, I think so. I think I would liken it back to, again, back to the physical fitness and Heath mentioned it earlier, I would liken it to a muscle. When you start building up a little bit of a muscle, you realize there's a lot more you can do. I think you start seeing the world through mm. a much broader perspective and you, you start seeing all the things you you can do with the first step. And this is, you know, and I think James Clear talks about it in building a habit. He says, if you want to go start working out, just drive to the gym every day. Don't even go in, just drive there. That's your first step. And then maybe the next week, maybe you actually go in, you work out for five minutes. That's great. And it's that Kaizen method of just building on small little incremental bits of progress. And then you realize you can do a lot more. So absolutely, mm. the, the conversations are different. The relationships are different. Things expand, but it does begin with a small step. And that's what yeah. we tell people. This is not the immediate solution, but you will find immediate, you will see some immediate results and you'll see yeah. those wins and they'll continue to build on themselves. So yeah. I think so. And again, we we've said things almost negatively in some ways here, but I want to just reemphasize it. It's an opportunity. It is pure hope what we're talking about. Yeah, this right. is this is pure hope. It's pure opportunity. It's within our hands. One of the reasons we say it's not an addiction, in addition to science saying it doesn't get, have the characteristics of addiction, is when you view something as a habit, you feel like you have more agency over it. And so if you think that it's an addiction, what's the first thing you say? In addiction, you're powerless. And with an addiction, you abstain. We're saying, no, this is a habit. It's within your control. Here's an environment. Here's a system that you can follow that will make a significant difference. And then when you feel like you have that power, you can do more things you could ever, than you could ever possibly imagine. Wow. Yeah. And you say even just a couple minutes a day that people Absolutely. are asking, well, how long should I use it? And they're like, no, this is individual. And that you will notice that just a couple minutes a day is going to start to change and then you grow from there. So I love that you say that. So let's just talk about the logistics really quick. So there's the home device, there's the app, which is sort of gamifying and making it fun. How how long? Because I, I do love that. You no one wants to look at their screen time usage because you're it's it's awful. You feel awful about yourself. But if you look at like for example, for myself, I'm keeping track of my time a little bit more. What am I doing? Analog. I'm trying to keep. So I'm like, oh, I played piano for two hours last night or, or last mm. month. Last month, not last night. You know, in a whole month. Maybe, but but two hours is something, and I really am proud of that. Or I read these fiction books. And so, you know, it does, it's different. It's a different lens to view things as opposed to you were on your screen for an average of four <laughs> hours and 22 minutes every day, you know, <laughs> and you're like, uh. so tell us just the logistics about the app. It's a membership, the home device and this community aspect of it. Absolutely. So the first thing I will say is just one of the things we learned early on in testing the product is that you do get a sense of pride from using RO. So it is different than screen time. Screen time elicits kind of guilt and shame, but actually looking at your intentional time elicits a sense of, of pride. So the pat on the back is super helpful. As an example, this past quarter, I think I had something like 34 hours of family dinner. So you, and it starts to add up, right? You look back, you're like, wow, I, I actually did this thing, right? But we knew it couldn't just be a piece of software and it couldn't just be a piece of hardware. It had to be the magic is in the combination of both. So there is this beautiful device that lives in your home. Typically, what we've seen from families is they put it in their kitchen or family room, somewhere in the high traffic area where it's visible again to start that part of the habit loop with the with the visual cue. But the real power is with the app itself, because the app is what helps keep you accountable, keeps you motivated, nudges you, encourages you, the chameleon effect when others in your family are using it. We're rolling out a new family center option soon where you'll be able to, to look and see how everyone in the family is doing and, and roll all that up to some family goals. We're also rolling out a new challenges section where not only are we 
providing community challenges, everything from reading and sleeping and in between, but we're allowing our members to create their own challenges for their own family. So, you know, some families are super competitive, other families are are not. So we're trying to balance, you know, every type of user's desire there. But it really is the combination of both that's most powerful. Again, the device, if the vi- if the device were to talk, it would it would be an invitation to say, hey, come spend a bit of time here. Mm-hmm. And then you pull out the app, it's a pat on the back to say, hey, job well done, and come back and do it yeah. again another time. Yeah. And we're not getting that. I think as parents, especially, I think it's just a trying time to be a parent. And how often are we getting pats on the back? Not very often. So what a nice thing. What a nice gesture to really feel good about the time that we're spending away from our phones. Our family is loving it. It's working for our teenage son. Just got a phone recently within the past couple months. He's almost 15. And so we have crossed that bridge and you know it was it was really actually a big thing for a long time because he's trying to communicate with his friends and so we're trying to really balance that need for that's how they connect socially with what's healthy and so ro has been a great solution for our family if people want to find more they can find more at goaro.com where you have really cool little sayings there my favorite one is out of sight peace of mind that's my favorite one. <laughs> out of sight, out of my mind, like out of sight, peace of mind. But this less screen time, more real life, people can find actually a lot of encouraging articles on your website at goaro.com and they can find more about the home device, more about the app. If you are interested in trying out Aro, Aro is offering our listeners a discount to get a free month on the upfront annual or two-year memberships with code 1000HOURS. If you are looking to spend more time with your family, model great habits for your kids, keep them safe, or maybe just fall asleep without scrolling, we encourage you to check out Aro right now at www.goaro.com. Use code 1000HOURS, 1000HOURS to get a free month on the upfront annual or two-year memberships. And then you also are on Instagram at GoRO Now. So really cool clips from your new podcast, which my husband, he, you you don't have that many episodes up yet, but there's a sports guy who I didn't know of, but Josh was like, oh, they had so-and-so on the podcast. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't know who that is, but it sounds intriguing. So you got six episodes up and, and one with a guy from Shark Tank. So Really great for people to go check that out. Awesome episodes, the RO podcast. And you're talking with people who live successfully, who are trying to live intentionally. And so that's a great thing for people to check out if they like podcasts, the RO podcast. So we always end our podcast with the same question. I don't know who wants to go first, but the question is, can you tell us a favorite outdoor childhood memory? That's it. What's a favorite outdoor childhood memory? I got one. My <laughs> and I told this at my uh, at my grandmother's funeral a couple of years ago. My grandmother was just a saint, um, and so we went. My brother and I, when he was seven and I was five, um, we went. And I don't know why my parents did this. I still give them a hard time. We flew on our own out to Arizona to see my grandparents. So, so we were fishing. We were camping and fishing. And I all I wanted to do was reel in a fish that week. And so my granddad, I hear him start yelling, "Hey, Joey, I got a fish. Come, you know, come, come and reel in the fish." problem was I was changing clothes in the tent and he goes, no, you got to come out fast. So I come out naked as a jaybird, five years old, and I'm reeling it in. And little did I know until the pictures got developed, my grandma was behind me taking a picture of me with my bare little five-year-old tushy reeling in a fish. I was as embarrassed as you could be, but it was that I could just hear her cackling, laughing as she was taking the picture. So that was my favorite of my, my, my trip with my grandparents fishing and reeling in my first fish, albeit naked. 
not going to be able to top that one. I don't have any naked stories. Um, <laughs> my entire childhood was outside. So whether it was on a bike or a motorcycle or camping, I mean, you know, literally we'd get up on a Saturday and we'd be gone from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. and get home for dinner. So I think there's just this amalgamation of memories of just being in the woods or being on the street or being in the neighborhood or being with friends. Yeah, it was, gosh, it, I mean, in some ways it was just so innocent, but also like we were talking earlier about independence and just the, the amount of independence you learn and create when you're doing something on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And not tethered to the house or tethered to a device uh, in this context. Just felt like I grew up with a lot of unique experiences at a, at a pretty early age. I mean, when you're when you're gone for eight hours on a Saturday at eight years old, like there's a lot of responsibility <laughs> put into your lap. Um, so yeah, just great memories of all those outdoor experiences. Wow, and a lot of experiences like where you're dealing with risk and you're dealing with bravery and you're learning what you can and can't do. And I do think that a lot of that is missing in today's childhood. So that's really inspiring. Where did, can I ask one last question? Cause I'm just curious, where did the name RO come from? Yeah, we, we um, RO is a term. So we had an original name for the business which is called Smarter, S-M-R-T-R based on outsmarting your smartphone. And our creative agency, Whiteboard, out of uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, they quickly challenged that name and and then came up with with a bunch. And um, and one of the options that really was just an immediate yes was RO, RO, A-R-O. It's a beautiful looking word. It's symmetrical and, and the meaning is really what gets it. It's a Maori term, which means to notice, to turn towards, to take heed. And that's our goal. It, it's all encompassing. We want people to notice a feeling they may be, they may have inside of them or the beautiful um, words of a novel or the, you know, the sunlight glinting through the trees or maybe how their child is feeling. I want them to notice that and then turn towards that and really be attentive to it. So that's our goal. Wow. And and we're having, we're having all of us, as long as we have this distraction in our pocket, we define distraction as anything that gets in the way of our intentions. I think what I just described, you know, noticing your child is probably an intention all of us have and the biggest potential threat to that and distractions to that is our constant companion of our phones and the world does mm -hmm. open up whenever we put that thing down. Wow. That's really powerful. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go RO now. Go RO.com. Less screen time, more real life, out of sight, peace of mind. Heath and Joey, this has been phenomenal. I mean, I was close to tears several times. So really impactful. I know everyone's going to enjoy listening. I bet people will listen to it more than once. And they can come and find the device and they can get the home device and the app and really make steps in changing their lives and modeling to kids that they're valuable. And this is one way that we balance technology with real living. So thank you for being here. Jenny, awesome. th Thanks, thank Jenny. you. And we're going to, we're going to put a, you can put it in the show notes. We're going to add a, um, a discount code to your listeners. 1000 hours, um, a discount towards a, towards an RO membership. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes and we will let people know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.